With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Catfish and Ice Podcast. This is episode 55 as the National Predators offseason is rolling along. We're inching closer to the expansion draft, to the NHL entry draft, and free agency opening up. All this stuff is happening right here in the month of July. We just had the 4th of July weekend. It was awesome. Got to see the fireworks. Got to enjoy times with our families and friends, I'm hoping. And we've got, we're back to full strength on the Catfish Nice podcast. We got our co-host Colin Bluen back. He just made that long journey down from Ohio to Atlanta. He moved, so he missed the last couple episodes. Colin, how the hell are you doing, man? How's the new, uh, how's the new home doing? We're we're coming together. It's a, it's, it's a process to say the least. I, uh, um, we drove down from Cincinnati to uh, Nashville, stayed there overnight. We had three pets. We had two dogs and two cats. So trying to transport them has been – it was fun to say the least. Got a, got a little bit of a, some medicinal help for the cat because she uh, doesn't do well in the car. But I got the, the short end of the stick on that one. I drove her down. So me and her had basically a conversation uh, for four hours where she'd me out at me and I kind of nodded my head every, every now and then. But, uh, um, yeah, my wife got the dogs. They're easy. They just sleep in the car. But – it was yeah. good. We waited down. We're getting settled. We got the got my my office set up here. You got, so you got the new digs. They look. They're, it's looking good, man. It's, it's looking good. It's coming together. Got the light in the back. I changed the the color to it for orange for the Suns. My sons are in the finals. Yep. So they're in the finals. I had part of what part of the game was listened to, and I, I got to Nashville just in time to watch the end of it. End of it. And it was awesome. Um, that's a whole other thing. That's a run that I'm excited to be on, but we'll get to that next week. Hopefully we'll be, uh, hopefully we'll be up a couple of weeks. We can always, we can always, we, Hey Colin, we can always mix in a little sun's talk just for you, man. <laughs> yep. we, 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 we can't gloss, we can't gloss over the fact that the Phoenix Suns are in the finals and they're playing the Milwaukee Bucks. So if you had that predicted going into this, uh, going into the preseason of the NBA, uh, season, then, uh, go ahead and, uh, become my, uh, my uh, sports gambling bookie and tell me what to pick because uh, you know something I don't know if you predicted the Milwaukee Bucks and the Suns to be in the NBA Finals. I, I, but, yeah. I never lacked faith. I never lacked faith. I didn't know oh, I knew it was oh, the Bucks. Uh, well, I always believed in my Suns because they, they had the 8-0 no bubble fan. run. But, exactly. But, uh, no, it's 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 awesome because, I mean, I've been a lifelong fan. At the last time they were in the Finals, I was two years old, so I couldn't really fully appreciate it to this degree and, and really – we had some good years with Nash, Mario Sotomayor, and Sean Marion, you know, Matrix and all those guys, but not really to this degree. So it's been awesome to see it, you know, and be able to really enjoy it as an adult. I will say one thing about the move. My uh, my office chair, uh, the office chair made it. Four out of the five wheels made it. So if you see me uh, the left, it's because I'm missing a, I'm, I'm missing a wheel here. You're, you're leaning a little bit. You're leaning a little well, bit, I'm, but it's okay. Oh, I got I just noticed that. Yeah, I remember you saying it. Was <laughs> I'm, I'm it's use really this not. things up. <laughs> it's really not that noticeable, though, so don't no, be too well, self-conscious got, about it. I got it gives you a little personality. <laughs> it gives you a little personality, man. Uh, um, it was, right. it was, it was, it was, I upgrade the wheels, so we'll get some new wheels yeah. on Wednesday. I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll get myself right. 
<laughs> All right. And then, uh, Rich, how was your uh, Fourth of July weekend? Good. It's hot, man. It's so hot in, yeah. in Kentucky right now. It is like miserable. But, Feels uh, like July. Yeah, we uh, grilled out and just hung out and did some family stuff. So it was good. It was real good. Always a good time. Oh, I was down. Here, do? I was down here. I was down here in uh, the craziness that is downtown Nashville. <laughs> Uh, I can tell you, I can tell you being surrounded by 400,000 people isn't as fun as it sounds. And maybe it doesn't sound fun to you because guess what? It isn't fun. It was, um, it, it kind of gave me, uh, it kind of gave me a little bit of a flashbacks of the NFL draft. Only uh, that was only half of what the NFL draft had, maybe a little short of half. And so, yeah, when there's that many people crammed into one space, it's a little, uh, it's a little nerve wracking. But uh, the fireworks are great. Nashville puts on a great fireworks show every year. And so that's kind of what they're known for. And so that was awesome to see. Um, so we moved past the holiday weekend. And this NHL calendar is about to really start getting crazy here. We've had some time to kind of decompress from the season. And, uh, you know, we've been watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've been watching the Montreal Canadiens go on this amazing run. We hope that the Preds can uh, capture something like that soon. Because that's kind of what it takes sometimes to go on these runs in the Stanley Cup font and Stanley Cup playoffs is you got to just capture lightning in a bottle. No pun intended because they're oh, playing the lightning. Good. I didn't actually mean to. I actually did not plan to put it that way, but yeah. it's true. The the Montreal Canadiens are kind of lightning in a bottle, and they're yeah. getting uh, yeah. pretty much getting out of the building by the lightning. Not tonight. They're playing yeah. better tonight. Running but I will say though down. that uh, yes. And so the the, NHL, the sad part is the NHL season is officially about to come to an end. And uh, later this month in July is when really the calendar is about to get crazy. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start getting ready for that even more. Uh, the last few episodes of the Catfish Nights podcast, we have really gone through a ton of off-season topics in regards to the expansion draft, in regards to uh, trades, and uh, just in regards to a lot of different things we've reflected on this last season. And everything. And so tonight, we're really going to get into some trade block rumors. We're going to talk about maybe some other players that are on the trade block because Victor Arvidsson just got traded. We had a reaction episode. Colin was in the middle of moving, and so he couldn't yeah. join us for the reaction episode. We got Me and Rick kind of jumped behind the mics. Within the hour, we decided, let's go on and put on a bonus episode. So we did that. So go back and listen to the initial reaction to the Arvidsson trade. But I really want to get uh, Colin's thoughts because it really I haven't even heard his thoughts yet. Mm-hmm. This is going to be new to, news to me as well. I think uh, I know. So we want to get uh, we want to get Colin's thoughts initially on the Victor Arvidsson trade because we haven't heard him yet. Well, I'd have to go back and, and listen to it. I think I actually left him unprotected in the uh, expansion process because I thought that he was going to be kind of our bait to dangle and say, "All right, just take this guy to end our logjam." Yeah. Um, Trading it makes sense. I mean, you listen. I listened to David Poyle's presser afterwards, and he said, you know, listen, if we didn't, we weren't going to protect him. We knew Seattle was going to take him, and we weren't going to get anything for him. So, you know, more power to to him for doing that. I think it, it opens up a whole different – it kind of makes our conversation about, you know, who do you protect, who do you not, um, kind of go revisit that because now it's mm-hmm. like, all right, now, you know, are there other players that we're going to be leaving exposed because of this? You know, is the Cali Arnkirk going to be exposed or – um, Yakov Trenin or something along those lines, but uh, it, it's uh, it was something that had to be done. I mean, I think he hasn't been the same since Bertuzzi, that hit from Bertuzzi, and, and, and well, the hit and then the hit when he was on the ground as well, and that he got injured yeah. after that. He really has not played the same way, and really at the same time, 
this system as, as ill-defined as the offense is, I just don't think that he fits into this offensive system. Um, I think he fits well into a defined, a more clearly defined system, especially one that can rely on him being more on the rush and not, you know, relying on him to, uh, to shoot from the point. So, uh, it, it's it was a necessary loss. It, it stings because you know we all love RV. RV has been there for some huge moments. He's been clutch for us in moments when we needed him most. Um, it, it, we know we never want to see a player like that go. Um, but you know it, at least we got some value out of it. Uh, but I wish him all the best in, in you know California and in LA. Um, I think that LA LA has been aggressive. I mean you know, on yeah. the flip side of this, LA LA has been in talks for a lot of these you know big name players. And, you know, RV, I wouldn't say necessarily his big name, but he's a, a solid player that will give them some good depth and, and could be on their top two, one, you know, one of their top two lines even, um, if he can get back in the former, if he fits really well in that system. So It's a good spot. Um, it's a good spot for him to it land. Is. Yeah, I it think is. He's, I, it is. I can see him being a top six uh, player for them, for sure. I think that's what the Kings want out of him. I yeah. don't think you uh, send off two draft picks for a player that you don't expect to be a top six player. So, um, yeah. I think it's uh, one of those moves where it can benefit both teams. And uh, you see trades like that all the time. There doesn't have to be a winner and a loser in these trades. Sometimes yeah. you can have two winners. And yeah. so um, so that, that kind of takes us into our main topic. But first, we are presented by DraftKings. Go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And we've got a, a big UFC event coming to you this weekend. We've got Conor McGregor and Poirier. Uh, three coming to you. And so uh, DraftKings is the number one rated sportsbook app, the official betting partner of the UFC. And you can go ahead and win $264 right now if you want to bet on the rubber match between these two. And uh, 264 to one odds if a knockout is hap- happens in the first round. And the way these two guys fight, that's not a crazy bet to make at all. All you got to do is put a dollar down. So, again, go download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $264 when you bet on a main event fighter to win by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $264 only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And so, yes, we've got an awesome UFC event coming. And our uh, main sponsor, DraftKings, has an awesome deal for you. And all you have to do is use our promo code THPN. And it's safe, secure, and reliable. So if you haven't gotten the app yet, go ahead and do that. And so let's get into, so now that Victor Arvidsson has been traded, we've got to talk. Do we think the trades are over with, gentlemen? Do we really think that the Preds are done and that's going to be the main blockbuster trade of the offseason? I don't think so. I think that Poyle is sending a message that there's more to come. And so that kind of puts us into our main topic tonight of the Catfish Nice podcast, episode 55. And that is, who else could maybe be on the Preds trade block right now. Who else would be on our list? And we're going to start with Colin because Colin, I'm sure he's got a lot of uh, opinions going right now because he missed the last two episodes. And so we're going to let him get this ball rolling here because I'm sure he's got a lot of thoughts on this. Give us uh, maybe a player or two that would really be 
players that you think are on the trade block right now for the Preds? Yeah, it, it's tricky because I mean we have we're so close. We're two weeks away from the expansion draft, right? So, I mean, honestly, in a perfect world, Johansson or Duchesne are being taken uh, by the Kraken, and it'll help them to get to their cap. Their you know what that they had to hit, and it'll help us you know, alleviate some of that cap that we've been kind of saddled with, especially eight million dollar contracts. So I would say, you know, one of those two would be my go tos. You know, right off the bat. At the same time, Cali Yonker, you know, I'm not sure what we do with him. I'm not sure where he fully fits into this. I know we don't want to lose him, but, you know, is there more value, like the same thing with Victor Arvidsson, where, you know, we can either lose him in the expansion or we can get picks for Oof. him instead. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, realistically, me and, like, me, and Rich, me and Rich are both shaking our heads on Yonker. I agree. Yonker. I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but gosh, man, that just – It stinks. It, it stinks, and I think that, you know, really we're kind of between, like, it's – to me, I see it almost as Callie on Kirk or Colton Sissons. Like, which one do you want to keep? Because that's, I feel like you're going to lose one of the two, one way or the Colton other. Sissons, and, and Colton Sissons has been my consistent prediction of who we're going to lose in the expansion draft. Not because I want to lose him. Not because I'm like, oh, yeah. let's get rid of him. No, I totally understand his value. But yeah, it's a numbers it's a, game. It's, it really is a numbers game at this point. And you're probably mm-hmm. going to lose someone who you hold very dear to you. It is, and and his is that you know eight hundred k more than his contract is more eight hundred k more annually than than a Cal Yonkirk. So I mean, obviously Yonkirk's a cheaper option. It's kind of like a, the bargain Golden Sissons based off what Colton Sissons did last year. So I mean, there's that situation. I think also kind of my dark horse is Rocco Grimaldi. I think Rocco Grimaldi, I just don't see his fit. I, I think that they, there's another team that will appreciate him. I think Nashville, the fans appreciate him immensely. Yep. And I think they're going to be pissed off because we're going to lose probably our basically a, a wow. very similar skill set in, in Rocco and RV. I think we're going to lose them in the same offseason. But I think Ooh. Rocco, his long-term losing, future, I don't lo- think is in Nashville. Losing two losing. offensively-minded players that are speedsters yep. on a team on a team that struggles yep. to do that type of thing and you lose two of those types of players, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. You remember it how is. bad everybody was during the playoffs because Rocco wasn't getting played. So yeah. now just imagine what it's going to be like. There's going to be – there's going to definitely – you think people were mad about uh, Victor Arvidsson yeah. being traded if they trade mm-hmm. Rocco Grimaldi? Of course it always depends on the return. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. you can trade any player away if you get a good return on it. Yeah. So we got we got to wait and see on that. But you're not – I don't think you're far off base at all on that, Colin, about Rocco Grimaldi. Grimaldi's on my uh, trade block list as well, but he's a little further down. For me, okay. I've got a, I've, I've got two players. I don't think we would get crazy returns on them, but again, I would be ready. I'd be okay with moving on from it, being like failed experiments, didn't really work <laughs> out here. Let, let's try to make room for somebody else, whether it's a free agent or a prospect. Let's try to move someone else up into these roles. The first player I've got is Mark Borowiecki, and it's not because of what he does off the ice. It's not because I think he's a bad guy. It's not anything to do with that. It, I I think he's class personified. I think he's a great part of the locker room. All that stuff is is very true. But it's a business. And the business side of it, I don't think he fits on the Preds. I really don't. His physical nature fits on the Preds, but I don't – his age and his – he was hurt a lot towards the end there. And uh, I just think that the defensive – Log jam right now. You've got a lot of really good prospects coming up who need who need uh, spots as well. And so, if I could find a trade partner for a Mark Borowiecki and I could get a draft pick out of him, mm-hmm. I would I would take that right now. 
And yeah. uh, so he's he's on the top of my uh, trade block list right now. Another one I have is Nick Cousins, and I don't know if Colin's going to like that one at all. But uh, Nick Cousins would be on my trade uh, would be on my trade block right now as well. He's got another year left on his contract, so he'd be an easy player to move. I think there would be a team out there who would definitely take him for a draft pick. Or I mean, you're not like again, Mark Gorovietsky and Nick Cousins. You're not going to get big returns on them. These aren't like blockbuster so trades I'm talking about here. But Nick so Cousins, these trades, the, the trades I'm. Go ahead. I'll, I'll well, I'm saying, well, I'm, the trades I'm talking about here with these two players are literally you're trying to make space on your roster for mm-hmm. other players. That's yeah. pretty much what my thinking is right now, because you've got a lot of players who don't really fit in the long-term future of this team. And mm-hmm. if we really think that the Preds are a team in flux and are need to put push the reset button and think about the long-term future, then – Moving players like Mark Borowiecki and Nick Cousins are players. I think you got to figure out how to move and and keep building that draft capital, and hopefully you can make some really smart uh, draft picks, and you can uh, kind of hit the lottery a little bit with some of these late round draft picks, which happens all the time in the NHL. Right. You you can hit the lottery right. all the time on late round draft picks. So you build those draft picks up for the future, for next year, for this coming up draft, for next season, for the season after that. Build those draft picks up. Give yourself something to work with. Make some roster space for some of these other prospects who we want to see play next season. Nick Cousins and Mark Borowiecki are two of those players I think you would have to figure out a way to move out. Uh, Rich, give us give us some of yours. Yeah, so uh, I agree with all of those guys you guys said. Um, the one thing I wanted to touch on was I know that um, a while back um, – the, the rumors were flying that Matias Ekholm and Philip Forsberg were going to be traded. Well, those rumors are back. I don't know if you guys yeah, they are. They are. Right I saw the Philip Forsberg ones. I think they're a little bit overblown yeah. because he's a, yeah. he showed his human nature of losing a friend on his team, and suddenly right. everyone everyone wants to make right. it seem like he doesn't want to be on the team anymore. It's like is the guy allowed to show? Is the guy not allowed to show a little bit of human emotion and not be a robot for a second and be upset it's a country he lost man. his friend? Well, it's his countrymen too. So yeah. they grew up in the developmental system together. I mean, they've literally been together since they were yeah. youth. So, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you, guy, you, I mean, of course he's going to get on social. I mean, these are humans. They're not robots. They're going to get on. They're going to get on social media and say they're upset about losing a player. That doesn't mean that Phil Forsberg doesn't want to play for the Preds anymore. So these. Well, but the thing I, is, I get, he, he doesn't have a no trade clause. So it's like, what's he going to do? He's not going to force a trade because it's not going to guarantee that he goes to the Kings to be with his friend. He just right. lost yeah. his friend. You want it's still a better situation for him to be in Nashville where he's the guy, and he'll he'll probably command a better contract from us and probably a lot of other teams because it's just there's more we have we're going to have more money to give to him when it's all said and done. But he's not going to uproot his family. He has no yeah. control over where he goes if he does want to get traded, which he probably doesn't want. Yeah. Um, because if that's the case, if he demands a trade, it's going to be like, all right, well, enjoy, you know. I mean, Don't God, God knows at this point. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy Detroit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like it here, go go to Detroit or something. But yeah, yeah, like if you just look at look at all that, I, I think that those rumors are nonsense. Like, Poyle is not going to get rid of like Ekholm and Forsberg. I see those as two of the cornerstone players of the team next season, and yeah. I just could never even fathom him pulling a trade to get rid of those guys. So, but like like you, you said though, like about Grimaldi, I say that. There's a good chance that he could be put up. You know, we hate to see that. And then, you know, I also agree on the on the Borbietsky between the 
the Benning and Borowiecki um, experiments. I would say Benning won out on that that end, and then uh, I would also hate to see Cousins go. I would hate to. Yeah. I like I like his game because he's an agitator. He gets under guys' skin. Um, I would like to see some more offense. Would be awesome, but you know I, I, I like him, but you know it didn't do this. When you think of the defenseman, I mean, especially if we can keep Carrier, like we still have Ferentz, who's been who was pretty mm-hmm. good in his, in his showing. Fabro, we've seen flashes. I mean, Fabro's still a young guy who's going to do. I think he has a future with us, I and mean, I think that we see him as having a future with us. So, you know, really, realistically, even betting doesn't necessarily fit there. Um, but mm-hmm. as, as far as you know, the especially getting covered to Cousins, and I hate to lose the guy doesn't bring anything in terms of like the offensive side of things, but. He's an offensive human being because he gets under your skin. And he can um, get trade value. I, he's, you, you, oh, and you, can he, get, he, you get moderate he, trade value out of him. I, I would say a fifth to, yeah, fifth to sixth, uh, sixth round, maybe even seventh round pick for him. But, I mean, the thing is, he's one of those guys that you'd rather have on your team than yeah, not yeah. on your team because if you have to play him, you're going to hate him. Yeah. But right now, you know, with him being a predator, I love, I love seeing him. But I can understand why we get rid of him. But at the same time, looking at some of those veteran signings that we tried out and tried to see if mm-hmm. they would help us out – I kind of go to Brad Richardson too and say, okay, maybe Brad Richardson isn't worth keeping around. Um, I know Rich isn't going to like hearing this, but Luke's, Lucas Visa, like wow. you, either, you either trade him or you cut him. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, well, I waiting know. for my jersey, waiting for my jersey. Well, Brad, Brad Richardson <laughs> is definitely not coming back. I, I, I don't think they're going to trade him. I just think he's not coming back. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I think he's a free agent. So, um, yeah, he's unrestricted. You're right. You're right. Yeah, so he's yeah. – I mean, I'm sure another team will scoop him up. It makes the same mistake that we made last offseason. Someone will scoop him up. But uh, I don't see him coming back in the Preds. But um, – and, and who knows? I mean, honestly, the Preds could be done with their trades. They might not make another trade this offseason. But we're just kind of listing off players who we think could be on the trade block. And so those are kind of like – you know, we got Borowiecki, we got Nick Cousins, Rocco Grimaldi's one I agree with for sure. Uh, although – I would still be really. I would be way more surprised if they trade traded Grimaldi over Borowiecki and Cousins. And the reason why I say that is you still need some speed in this lineup, and to to get rid of two players who play that style via mm-hmm. trade, that means you're really banking on uh, your prospects to come up here and fill those voids. And some of these guys are unproven, or they haven't really played it a lot. Does that mean you're putting a lot of faith into Rem Pitlick to come up there and fill one of those spots? Or are, are you putting a lot of faith in Philip Tomasino to immediately, you know, come in and just be the same type of player? That's that's really taking a strong bet. So nice. I think they I, – I could see them trying to keep Rocco Grimaldi uh, just because now with Victor Harvinson gone, again, there's more space now for maybe Rocco Grimaldi to uh, fit into the lineup and not be a healthy scratch all the time. We'll have to wait and see. I think Rocco Grimaldi could be just as good, if not better, than Victor Arvidsson at this point in his career. So I would be pretty surprised if they traded away Rocco Grimaldi. Yeah. yeah. The fans would not like it either. No, the fans yeah. wouldn't like it. I mean, so it's, I mean, it's just like how, how, how is he going to get in line up with John Hines? Because, I mean, Hines is just not – Hines yeah. has shown a reluctance to, to play him all last season when he could have helped us in a lot of situations. I mean, he was the fifth, you know, leading goal scorer on the team and still couldn't crack the lineup more than what was it like 16 games? I mean, it's yeah. just it's brutal. It's it's a rough run. Yeah. That's a good point. He obviously, he obviously can shoot. We also we've all seen yeah. it. It's just you know the, the speed. And he improved he improved yeah. defensively. I mean, that was a big gripe is that he was a defensive liability, yeah. but the latter games that he played in, he did mm-hmm. well defensively. He actually had a better plus minus in those games. So, 
I mean, you, that's what you expect of the guy, right? You like you expect him yeah. to improve. So I, I don't know. It's just uh, I guess, uh, you can't get high Heinz head. So yeah, I guess Heinz is more of like the if you're going to go up against somebody like Tampa Bay, for instance, are yeah. you going to play Nick Cousins or are you going to play Rocco Grimaldi? You're probably going to go with Cousins because he's a more physical player, but because you know, yeah, the, the, dude, like, the Canadians have been bloodied by the Tampa Bay Lightning, so you know, you're looking yeah. for uh, more uh, size players or whatever. So. Yeah. All right. So that's our that's our trade block segment. We've got some players on there that could, we could see maybe also joining Victor Arvison as players who might be traded this offseason. Offseason trades don't happen very often, at least not really big ones, like where it's player for player type of swaps. Of course, we all remember the PK Subban Shea Weber trade. That's like the one that will forever go down in Preds history. Um, I still don't even really know how to feel about that one. I don't think I'll ever know how to feel about that one. I don't think we've got anything like that in our future this offseason. I'm not saying that, but um, let's, at least I hope not. But um, I don't think we have anything of value yeah. like that most Forsberg. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That, that, that's kind of where I was getting at. Like That's kind of where I was getting at. That would rival it. If we traded away Forsberg for another player, that would rival Better. the Weber-Suban uh, trade. Yeah. So if you, want, if you want to top it, Roman Yossi, and that's it. Oh, well, they're not moving him, obviously. But um, no matter how bad it gets in Nashville, Roman Yossi is stuck here. So, (laughs) sorry for you, Roman. Sorry for you. You better get used to Nashville even more because – all right. So, that's our trade block segment there. This is Catfish and Ice, episode 55. We've got Christopher Martell joining us later in the episode to talk about his days covering the team, uh, talk about where he thinks this offseason is going. He's got some really strong opinions on, on this Preds offseason, and it goes into four or five years down the road. How, that's how important he thinks this offseason is. So he's joining us later in the in the episode, so stay tuned for that. Let's get into our next segment of the episode 55 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. I want to talk about – all right, so we've had time to decompress, reflect on this past season. We've had plenty of time. The emotions have calmed down. I hope – I hope y'all aren't pissed off anymore about this past season. Because if so, then, man, you've really got to calm down because it's over with. The Preds shouldn't have made the uh, the playoffs anyway, so they made it. How do we feel right now? This is a really straightforward question. How do we feel? Because the Preds have really been going backwards for the past four years. Ever since they went to the Stanley Cup, they have been going in reverse. They went to the second round this following. Yes, they won the President's Trophy. I get that. But they went to the second round, lost in seven games to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, it was heartbreaking. Pecorine just couldn't get them past the Winnipeg Jets. And then uh, I remember feeling that. I remember like it was basically like it was yesterday where I was watching the game and everything. And I remember thinking, wow, this hurts way more than losing to the Penguins in the Stanley Cup. It really did because I felt like that team was better than the Stanley Cup team. And to yeah. lose that way in the second round to the Winnipeg Jets and the way they lost, that hurt. And so then you go to the next season. They they uh, they get, they get lose to the Dallas Stars. So yeah. it's like it hurts even worse because even though maybe you weren't predicting the Preds to win the Stanley Cup in 2019 – you still thought they could beat the Stars. And they were up 2-1 to one in that series, mind you. And they, they were Central Division to, champs. They were yeah. up 2-1. to one, They were up 2-1 to one in that series. And then they just completely fall apart. Um, 
in that series, losing six. Then you go to the Stanley Cup qualifiers. They lose to the Coyotes in three games, or in yeah, in three games, right? No, four games. Four games. Uh, losing four games. Uh, horrible showing for the most part in that. Basically a no show. Didn't even look like they were interested in being there. And then and then you go to this past uh, playoff series where honestly they should have missed the playoffs altogether. So they're going in backwards. They're going backwards. So do we feel like them making the playoffs this season and losing in six to the Carolina Hurricanes, a great team who also ended up with a very disappointing result by getting getting knocked out in the following round of the playoffs, do we feel like they did enough to feel like they're going back in the right direction? Or do we think they're still going backwards? Uh, yeah, go, go, go ahead, Colin. I was going to say it totally totally depends on a lot. Well, a number of things, obviously, but like I think that it's uh, it's Just, what are we going to do, do during the right season? Now? How do you feel right now, though? Before anything happens, I'm putting not you on good. the spot. Not good. Not, not good. If, okay. I, if I'm if I'm going to tell the rest of the press faithful, I'm going to say you think we're having in like the middle of the of the of the, the desert trying to reach the promised land. We're just going. We're just starting on the desert. We're just in the <clears> outskirts, <throat> and we're we got a lot a lot of desert left to walk through before we yeah. get to the promised land. It's a long That's road pretty- to walk right now. It's a long road to walk. I mean, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of variables, but at the same time, like you look at the assets we have, just from an asset standpoint. Like if you look at the value of each of our players, if we look at our general management, you know, we've got some really good young players, but young players you need veteran experience winning cup, and you and need, they need time, and need, they need time. Well, and this is this is super, I guess, uh, met- metaphorical or whatever, philosophical. There's the word, but you got to know how to win, and this team knows how to survive. They don't know how to win. And I think that Yossi, I think, does. I think there's a few, a couple players that do know how, but not as a team. I think as a team, yeah, you, you, need more, whole, you need more than just a couple players. You, you do. And, and and they got to know how to win. They got to know how to close out games. You got to have a cutthroat mentality. Like I said, these guys are more used to surviving than actually taking a game. I think back to you know the 2018 season when we started out really hot. Um, I remember Laviolette came out in the bowl, the bowl head. Uh, because he, he made a deal where if we had won 10 games in a row, he was going to wear the bull helmet or the bull head because um, yeah. they were taking the bull by the horns. Forgot because that, that team, when we opened up 10 games, you know, 10 wins in a row, that team knew how to win. They would step on your throat and they would push down. This this team, or at least the, the iteration, the last glimpse of it that we had, they knew how to survive. That's it. They didn't know how to, they didn't know how to step on someone's throat. They didn't know how to finish a game. I mean, how many times did we see a period where it was like the last couple minutes – and we just lose the focus. And so I think that comes down to the players, comes down to coaching. I, I think Hines does deserve another year, especially after last year. But I think that's more on UC Soros. But I don't see Hines being the guy that gets us out of the, the desert. I think that's another coach. Um, we'll see. I could be wrong. But, yeah, we we just we lack definition, and we and we don't have that killer instinct yet. And I don't see us getting that in one offseason. I think that's a, it's a series of moves, possibly all the way up to changing general managers. Um, but it's going to take some time before we get to that point. Gotcha. Agreed. And where do you see it going, Rich? Do you do you feel like they uh, kind of turned it, turned the ship back around to the positive direction, maybe? Or do you think we're we got we got we're going to have to deal with another year or two of uh, maybe even missing the playoffs, maybe uh, sitting on the sidelines for a year or two, not even making the playoffs? I'm going to say cautiously optimistic. Um, they did start giving me hope at the end of the season, and um, the the playoff series against Carolina was 
it could have went either way, and we we know that. And they they played one of the better teams in the NHL and and took it to them. And I just think if they they make some adjustments, they'll you know do better. Are they going to win the Stanley Cup next year or the year after? No, we know that. We know that's not probably going to happen. Um, I just I think that they did have some momentum, and if they can just just seem to instill that killer instinct like Colin was talking about, if they can somehow manage to bottle that and just do that consistently, I think they'll be in a better spot. But I don't I don't think it's going to be the Stanley Cup. I, I I tend to lean with both of you guys on that. I think that we've got another year or two of what I hope is growing pains. And there's mm-hmm. a difference. There's a difference between uh, keep throwing the same unit out there and hoping something changes, and you keep having the same negative results. That's what the Preds have been doing. I can live with missing the playoffs next season if we try something new. If we start reinvesting in the long-term future of this franchise, and we do kind of what the Colorado Avalanche did, which is you methodically build something. Yeah. Build something new. And, the, and to the credit to the Preds franchise and to David Poyle, they kind of did that in the early 2010, you know, like around the time when they started getting drafting Roman Yossi and when they drafted Victor Arvidsson, when they traded for Phil Forsberg. When they had Craig Smith in the line, when they drafted Craig Smith, when they started drafting very smartly and they started getting these players, they they built something and that eventually got them to a Stanley Cup berth. Yeah. They got to redo it now. They got to reset and that takes time. Yeah. And so the time is maybe going to be a couple seasons before we really see the Preds become a viable, deep playoff contender. And we're just going to have to take our medicine. Yeah, I like what you said though about if if they were if they're building something, I am okay with that because we've had the same for for too long. We went if they try to if they if they keep regurgitating the same thing and they keep showing us the same blend of players, Mm -hmm. and that's why I'm okay with the Victor Arvidsson trade is because yeah, Yeah, I agree. And this is nothing on Victor Arvidsson. He wanted to change the scenery too, and I don't blame him. This isn't coming down on Victor Arvison, but it's like you can't keep throwing out the same Jofa line or you can't keep throwing out the same uh, players and, and expecting different results. So yeah. you, um, I'm okay you, with it. Now, if they keep yeah. failing with the same ingredients, that's when I'm going to yeah. be really critical of this team. And yeah. and that's I think that's a big reason why people come after David Poyles because they feel like that's what he does. He keeps yeah. throwing out the same garbage. And telling mm-hmm. us that we've got one more run in us. You keep hearing that one more mm-hmm. run. We got one more run with this crew. We, we don't want to see that. one more run with this crew because we know how it ends. We know yeah. how it ends. So yeah. when Poyle, when Poyle keeps you know fans every year, they get uh, you know, a pickup of Corbini and Holzer, and you get a pickup of Good Branson, you know things like that. That's that's not that's not building something. That's trying to add to something that you think is going to work, and it's just. It hasn't, and it's not going to. But I, that's why I was – I hated to see Arvidsson go, obviously, but I was kind of glad that he had the guts to make a move like that. I think it was a good move. So, I'm gonna, just so for the sake of this question, I'm going to actually throw a little bit of a surprise answer in this. I actually don't think they're going backwards anymore. And the reason huh. why I say that is because, Rich, you said it in the reaction, Pete, in the reaction episode to the Victor Arvidsson trade. We're ripping the Band-Aid off here, gentlemen. 
And part and part of going back into the right direction is ripping that Band-Aid off and saying, you know what, it's time to move on. It's time to break ties with some of these players that we love dearly, see them flock on another team, and let's uh, bring some new people in here, whether it's inexperienced prospects that are going to make some mistakes or whether it's maybe go find a free agent or two that can come in here and make a splash really quick. Not anyone big, not anything like a uh, Alex Ovechkin or Taylor Hall. Let's pump the brakes. But I'm just saying like some some moderately priced, uh, well, uh, smart uh, free agents out there. If you could plug someone in, go for it. But for the most I, part, we got to start with a clean slate here. Well, I think that that's a really good point. I think that – so let me re- reassess or let me rephrase my answer. I think we are going in the right direction too now that you say that. It's just that sometimes going in the right direction means you're going to have to pay, go through a little bit of pain for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, even Tampa Bay, after they won the couple, was it in 06 or 05? You had to strip things down. It took them a decade because they That's basically good. had to shed some, they had to shed some contracts. They had to shed mm-hmm. some 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 players that just you know out you know outaged the team itself, and they went through some down years, almost a down decade even. You could say until so they were back up in the prominence. We don't want to go through and a decade of it necessarily. That would take some GM malpractice. No, we don't want to go through a decade, but I mean, even Carolina didn't see, you know, yeah. hasn't, no, hasn't right. started getting up to this competitive nature. And realistically, like that team, I think that we're kind of, you know, hindsight's 2020, right? But like we look yeah. back at that team, that team was kind of a Cinderella run. You can't really build a, a sustained success. And you see other teams going through the same thing right now. Some are taking longer than others, but you see yeah. a team like the Chicago Blackhawks. They had yeah. to, eventually it all came crashing down for them. And now they're trying to build it back up. Look at a team like the Detroit Red Wings, a, a once proud franchise, a dynasty. And look how long they've been down. Now, yeah. we hope the Preds don't take that long to build it back up. But I'm saying the Preds are in that fringe group. Look right at the now LA Kings. Where or you have LA, Kings, another, LA Kings are I mean, another perfect where- example. And now they're being aggressive because it's now they're they're probably trying to start the upward climb. And so I think yes. that's what that's when we can that's when we can start looking are. at when the Preds start trading picks for players. I think that's when we'll know. Okay, now we're starting to try to look at the competitiveness. I think right now we're trying to get those those picks from players so that mm-hmm. we can get to that point eventually. So I think we're going in the right direction. It's just that it's going to be painful probably the next couple it's of seasons realistically. And you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm actually okay as long as we start seeing some progress. It's easy to say we're okay with it in July. Well, I know, but <laughs> yeah, uh, well, and it will be painful, like you said. But at least you're working towards something, and you're not trotting out the same guys who don't work well together. You're making some moves. You're doing what you uh, need to do. What people can, have wanted for you know two seasons at least. I can I can live with missing the playoffs next season if I know the Preds are making the right decisions for their future. Yeah. Whereas if we trot out the same core, mm-hmm. maybe even make the playoffs again, what does a playoff berth really mean anymore if you're not a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? I mean, what does it really mean? Okay, you get a couple home playoff games, you get a couple nationally televised games, and uh, and and then you get eliminated anyway. I mean, what does it really mean? I mean, I know you want to make the playoffs and it's fun, but I'd rather have a top 10 draft having one of those. There is always that chance, but in the end, you're still rolling the dice, and it's probably not going to land in your favor if you don't make the right decisions in the offseason. So, 
to uh, run, fix the bigger problem. Let me ask you guys. The and then run it into a team that's $15 million over the salary cap. Well, let, let, yeah. let, me, let, me, let me ask you guys this question, though. So, okay, this is a, an, this or that kind of question. Would you rather make the playoffs and get bounced in the first round or have a top 10 pick? Top 10 Ooh. pick. Yeah. I'm the friends, right? I mean, I'm not saying lose on purpose. I'm saying if it naturally no. happens that way. No, but yeah, but if I mean, yeah, if, if we know that we're not going to be, we're not going to be cup contenders, I'd rather have the top ten pick because even if we don't use the pick, it's still an where asset. This team, to other teams where this cover. team is, where this team is at right now, going into this coming season, if you're asking in terms of this coming season, would I rather than finish it with a top ten pick or lose in the first round? Um, I mean, obviously, it depends on what this roster looks like after this offseason, but I would rather them. Uh, Give me a young roster, give me a fresh look, and then okay, we we fail. We have growing pains. We finish with the top ten pick, and then you use that pick. You make a smart decision, and then you just because that's kind of where the Preds, for assets. That's where the Preds are at this point. Yeah. They they yeah. they can't keep saying we want to recapture what happened in 2017 or even in 2018. You can't do that. Well, I, this I just, is even getting. This is getting deep into the meta GM philosophy too, but like you yeah. can't keep guys like Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg if we don't have a contender with contender within the next three to four years. Right. That's just that's just the reality. Well, we're, going, of it. we're going we're and going then, further down the road. We're going further down the road now. Yeah, and then you and can't you can't fill up that stadium without at least having a, a five hundred team. So that arena. Well, fans are fans are going to start losing their patience. I hate to say, not maybe not right yeah. this second. I think the you fans can, are still going to be. The fans are going to wow. come out pretty excited, especially if the team brings a fresh look and they show the fan base that they're ready for a new start. I think fans will respond. You can, this is a very- you can you can fill up the arena, but you can't charge the ticket prices though, at the rate no, that you charge ticket no. prices you know, for a product that's a sub five hundred product. So yeah, yeah. Did you know the, before, go ahead, Colin. Well, it's just the business aspect of it. So it's the business yeah. of you know you play it to win, but obviously you know we're all kind of a- to be contenders. So. We're all kind of on the same page here that they're a yeah. team. We're probably in store for a pretty rough season or two, at least. Not that last season wasn't already a rough season, but they did somehow give us a lot of excitement and somehow defied the odds to make the playoffs. And it kind of gave us a little bit of false hope. I hate to say it. We yeah. got a little bit of false hope by this team making the playoffs. I don't know if Rich agrees with me there, but there, there's some people to be optimistic about, but as a team, I'm not so yeah. sure. They were playing so good, though. Like, you remember at the beginning of the season where we were like, oh, here's another one they're going to lose. But then, like, once they started turning around, we're like, you just expect them they're going to lose. Okay. But but then, like, also, all right. Also, to kind of come to your side, Rich, a little bit on it, last season or this season that's really finishing up now with the Stanley Cup final um, was really was a really crazy and wild Mm -hmm. season because it was 56 games, all, all division. And we'll never know if it would have been a normal season with this team, what they could have done because you would have, you wouldn't have played the same teams every week. You wouldn't right. have uh, you would have had more games to play to maybe mm-hmm. go on another run and, and do even better. So I'm really interested to see what an 82 game season looks like with John Hines. That's yeah, really, and I know Rich, you've been saying that as well. Like let's give John Hines. Yes. So oh, I mean, yeah. we're not trying to say it's all doom and gloom. And the Preds are just the worst team ever, and it, but we have to be very careful here about a lot of things. 
when it comes to this team. And and maybe the sad reality is we're going to go through a season or two of uh, some tough growing pains. And so that's kind of where we're all at with it. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. There's a lot to learn here. We, uh, there's a lot to learn in this next month with the uh, expansion draft and with free agency and with uh, even the NHL draft. And so uh, that's all coming up this month. So we got plenty to look forward to here in the coming weeks. And so uh, let's get to our last segment of episode 55 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. We're going to get into some Stanley Cup talk and then to round out the episode, we've got our interview with Christopher Martell, who – uh, covered the Preds, has a wealth of knowledge, uh, has written a book covering the team, talking about his memories of covering the team. And so we were really uh, thankful that he came on the podcast. So stay tuned for that interview. But until then, we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup real quick because it could very well be coming to an end tonight, this season. And we were all about the Montreal Canadiens. They have been the Cinderella story of all Cinderella stories. And it looks like the Tampa Bay Lightning have tied this game at one to one, and so the Canadians they're holding on for dear life right now. They are trying to get this to a game five. I gotta say, if if the Stanley Cup playoffs end with a four game sweep in the Stanley Cup Finals, that a is repeat um, champion. A repeat. That's champion. like a want. That's kind of a want, want, want. Like I mean, that's not how we want this to end. We wanted to see the Canadians. At, at the very least, we wanted the Canadians to uh, give the Lightning that's a scare. A, that's a Stanley Sippy Cup. Yes, I mean this is not good for anybody that we're seeing it go this way. Um, I'm sure a lot of people. Hey, I'm going to play devil's. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a little bit. How much more exciting would this Stanley Cup probably be right now if it was Vegas, Tampa? I'm just going to go out there and say it. I'd say how much more exciting would it be if it was uh, Canadians Islanders, but that's just my preference. Well, right? okay, fair I enough. Say it's, I I I had seen a repeat. It's like we've been on that, and the fact that Tampa Bay basically you know got around the salary cap. I think. I think There's Vegas. Be, be, I think. You know. I just feel like Vegas would be pushing Tampa way more right now if they were playing each other right now. Yeah, I think they would. Right. Have, they have the you know, but we'll never know. And I'm not. I'm not coming. I'm not saying like I'm mad that the Canadians made it. Obviously, I'm happy they made it, but. It, they've kind of gotten exposed here against Tampa Bay. Yeah. And right. so, uh, unfortunately speaking, whereas sometimes it's about matchups here. Well, Tampa Bay's mayor Tampa Bay's mayor is rooting for the Canadians. I don't know if you guys saw that, but the mayor of Tampa Bay. I did they, not see so that. They, they wanted the, the Lightning to lose tonight so they could win the Cup in Tampa Bay, which I feel like if you do that, it's going to be like a four-game, you know, they're going to come back four games or down three games to none and win the Cup, and Tampa oh, Bay's not going to get a Cup oh. in Tampa. Canadians but, just took the lead, two to one. Yep, yeah, two to one. Yeah, I hope that. I hope I, if that does happen, I hope. <laughs> I do too. I mean, it'd be hilarious oh if the mayor says, "I don't want them to win unless they win in Tampa," and then they don't win again in Tampa. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, maybe it'd be, be nice. I mean, we this could all be some big conspiracy to where the Lightning really just want to hoist the cup at home, home ice, and so uh, I don't know. All I know is, don't give the Canadians in this team extra life. Because yep. I'm telling you, I carry price. They didn't make it this far for nothing. They That's are right. making things happen. They are. They've surprised everyone, including myself. I'm done counting them out. I'm really hoping that they can create some drama Ooh. here at least and get this 
Sorry, I'm, I'm just hope- watching the goal. He shot that from 40 feet out. Goodness. Yeah, well, we'll take it. It hasn't been the best game for Vasilevsky, I'm telling you. He's had some blunders no. in this game. He even threw a punch uh, early in the game. I saw that, scrum. yeah. Yeah, he, he like threw really? a little – it was like a little sucker yeah. punch. He kind of like threw it up there like off the cuff. Uh, mm. Goaltenders sometimes are allowed to get pissed off too, though. I'm not mad at him. But uh, I'm not mad that. at him. But uh, I just, yeah, I mean the, that that first game. Canadian that first Canadians goal. I'm telling you, the way this game opened, they were they were in danger of really getting ran out of the building right out of the oh, gate. God. I mean, they couldn't get a shot on goal. And then uh, uh, Caulfield and Suzuki created a goal uh, with a pat a couple good passes, and they snuck one by by Vasilevsky to get that first goal of the game, which was a huge pressure lifter to get that mm-hmm. first goal. And so now they're trying to hang on. They're up two to one. Uh, for the sake of all hockey fans outside of Tampa Bay, we're at, we're hoping that the Canadians can push this series uh, further, uh, maybe even get to a game six. I mean, we would love that. Okay. I, I mean, obviously, we don't think the Canadians are going to win four in a row. Um, but, you know, we yeah, definitely want to see more excitement here at least. It would be nice, and there's always that hope. Yeah. Do what you say. I just want someone other than Tampa Bay to hoist that cup. I did not care who it is, truthfully. <laughs> I just I, agree. I, can't, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I agree. I had to turn it off the other night. I was watching uh, uh, game two or three, and I was just like, I, I can't even watch those guys. Like they just get under my skin so much. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be okay, Rich. They can't be on top <sighs> forever. I actually think that the Lightning are in for a rude awakening. They're about to lose a lot of players this offseason once that salary cap comes back into effect. So. Uh, yeah, so let's see if the Canadians can pull this off here and maybe stretch it to a game five. We're all pulling for that. And yep. so, uh, all right, so let's get into uh, – we're going to step away for a little bit because we're going to wrap up the episode 55 of the Captain Nice Podcast with our Christopher Martel, who used to cover the Preds, uh, wrote a book covering the Preds and all of his memories covering the Preds. So we were uh, really thrilled to have him join the podcast. So stay tuned. For that conversation, if you're watching on the live stream, then make sure you go download the podcast tomorrow so you can check out that interview. If you're listening right now on our podcast platforms, that interview is coming right to you after the break. And so thanks for listening to episode 55. Again, we are presented by DraftKings. Go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And 264 to 1 odds right now if a first-round knockout happens between Conor McGregor and uh, Poirier uh, this weekend uh, in the UFC main event. So go do that. Use our promo code THPN. Um, and we will see you on the other side of the break. Again, this is episode 55 of the Catfish and Ice podcast, and we appreciate everybody listening. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network.
right, welcome back to episode 55 of the Catfish and Ice podcast presented by DraftKings and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. This is uh, your host, Chad Minton, with Rich Howe and Colin Bluin. And we're super stoked to have an awesome guest joining us uh, this evening, and that is Christopher Martell. A lot of uh, diehard fans know of Kmart. He used to cover the Preds. He's got awesome Preds coverage continuing to this day, and we are really happy and excited to have him join the podcast. How are you doing tonight? Uh, gentlemen, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Awesome. We're, we're thrilled to have you, and of course, we're in the middle of the Preds offseason right now. We're watching the Stanley Cup final, and we're going we're gonna to get into some uh, how we feel about the Preds currently. Uh, the biggest reason why we really wanted you to have on the podcast is because uh, all three of us really uh, appreciate your Preds, co- Preds coverage and uh, just all your insights on the team, and uh, we really just... My biggest question I have for you to get this thing rolling is just some of your biggest memories from covering the team and just how did you actually, how did you really get into covering the team to begin with? Like how did it, how did it come about? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a tough question. I think, I think the best way to put it is, uh, you know, I just started on a whim, you know, uh, back in uh, 2011, uh, it was kind of a time when there really wasn't much happening in terms of the um, coverage for the Predators. All that was really there uh, was the Tennessean and on the forecheck. Dirk Hogue back in the day ran on the forecheck, and it was really him. And Brandon Felder, who worked at Hockey Buzz, and the Tennessean. And that was, those were the only three outlets covering the Preds. So uh, around 2011 or so, I started churning out some posts on 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 the forecheck and i figured hey why not just make my own blog i'll start writing that way so i just started writing and there were a few other people that started about the same time as i did but i think the biggest thing that that it was was persistence you know it took i think it took in reality it took around two three years before i really actually ended up in press row on a consistent basis and i think that that's one of the things that, that a lot of people don't really take into consideration is how much time that it actually took to get there and get established. Um, covering a sports team is not one of those things where you can just uh, just walk in the door and bam, you're there covering a sports team. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Right. Unless you're really, really fortunate, it doesn't work <laughs> yeah. that way. Right. Yeah, so it's um, it's – what if I would tell somebody if they were starting uh, to want to cover a team or whether whatever profession it is, just start writing, be persistent, and eventually someone will see you. You know, that's, that's all it takes. Just be persistent, self-promote yourself, and just keep going. That's all I can really, really say. That's really, really great advice there for sure. Yeah, I, I can definitely get on board with that for sure. But I, I can say I – can, I think I can speak for all of us. We've been – we've been following your work for a long time. Like, Mm -hmm. like you, some of your Preds insights and just for a long time, like way, like we're all aspiring. We're kind of fit into that category. All three of us fit into that category where we're trying to be persistent. Like you said, and we're, you know, we're doing this podcast and stuff, but that's why we want people like you on here because you can share so many great tips for not only us, but also for anyone else who might be listening to the podcast tonight. So uh, I totally agree with you on that. Persistency is 
extremely important. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, Rich, let's go to you, man. I know you had a, yeah. a good question for, uh, for yeah. Marcel. So I would like to take you, take you back in time. And I would like to know <laughs> the very first time that you ever got to go into a locker room after a game, <laughs> I want to know like what it awesome. felt like. Great question. Like, how, um, like, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? And then I'd like to know as well, <laughs> second part of that, who, who was the first player that you ever interviewed? <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, okay. I'm really excited to hear this. So, are you are are we talking about who was the first place person I interviewed after a game, or who was the first person I interviewed? Whatever you want to oh. do, man. <laughs> okay. Well, let, I, I want to hear, hear all about it. Let me answer the first question. Actually, you know, I'll just go ahead. And we'll we'll answer it in one piece. And you know, that, this was the <clears throat> this was the very first game I I got to cover, and it was the 2011. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs uh, against the Anaheim Ducks in, in the first round of the playoffs. And it was, I believe it was, I want to say it was game three. Uh, Nashville had had a chance to, to go up two to one in the series, I believe. And they, they won the game. And it was surreal for me because I had never been in, I had never been in a press atmosphere before. And going from being, Going from largely being a fan mm -hmm. to being a sports writer is a massive transition, a massive transition because, you know, I had season tickets uh, for the Preds up until probably 2014 once I actually like, I mean, I, I had t season tickets even as I was writing. So like going from being in your seats to being in press row, completely different. You can't cheer. You can't do none of this stuff. So, um, so I got up there. It was a wonderful game. Went down to the locker room, and uh, as we were as as we were just kind of the way the way it works or the way it used to work was that the locker room was open, completely open, and you could pretty much talk to anybody that was available. And it was just a matter of as long as the player was available, you could talk to them. Uh, nowadays, it's more of you have to request somebody and they'll, they'll make four or five players available. And wow. that's just how it is now. But back in the day, you could really talk to anybody. So um, as a couple of the other scrums were going on, I think Martin Erat was one, David Legwan was one. Uh, Shea Weber uh, was talking to one of the PR guys and nobody was talking to him. And I was just kind of like, uh, okay, so I walked <laughs> over. I walked over and I talked to the PR guy, and I, and I said, is, "Is he available to talk?" And he looked at him, and Shay looked at me, and he was like, "Yeah, what's your question?" And so I started talking with him. As soon as my mouth opened to put my first question out, I was surrounded by television cameras. I'm talking oh. TSN, I'm ESPN, uh. NHL Network. I, I had never, I had never been in a scrum before. Oh. So I mean, I was surrounded by television cameras, microphones, and I got my first question out. I didn't say another word the entire scrum. <laughs> and, and after it was over, I literally had to leave the locker room and go out, to, like outside the locker room so I could like decompress for a minute oh, because it was intense, absolutely intense. So, yeah, that's my that's my first real memory of um, of actually being in a locker room was that like after in, in a playoff game after a win, being surrounded by national and Canadian 
uh, television cameras talking to Shea Weber. So that was a lot of fun. That's really cool. <laughs> that's, that's, that's quite that's, the first interview. That's really cool. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he, he, he didn't just like drop like some run-of-the-mill player. He dropped Shea Weber on us. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an awesome – that is an awesome story, though. All right. Uh, what about uh, so, Colin? I know you got a good question. Yeah, so, you know, speaking on that experience, who – who would you say are some of the nicest people in the business or even just not in the realm of hockey, Preds hockey, uh, that you've had the opportunity to interact with? Uh, well, absolutely, by and large, Pecorine is on top of the list. Pecorine yeah. is, you know, people, yeah. you, you will see people say that Pecorine is the nicest person. And it's absolutely the truest thing that I've, I could ever say in my life. Pecorine is the nicest person I have ever met in my life. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he is also probably one of the most compassionate people I've ever met. Um, he would answer any question and he would stay as long as it took to, um, to take care of any question in the scrum. And he would actually, he would talk and interact with you outside of it. He was just a super nice guy. So uh, when, when I actually stopped going stop covering preds games uh that was probably the one person that i really hated not being able to talk to again uh, and and then when yeah. shea weber was traded shea weber was another person that you know when the mic turned on or when the cameras turned on he turned into a completely different person was very stoic very uh, short with his answers that's just how he was but when the camera was off guy was the nicest guy i mean he loved Awesome. Loves baseball, absolutely loves baseball. We'll talk your ear off about baseball. Uh, but, I mean, he just absolutely wonderful person. Him, him and Peck are my two favorite people to talk to. So on the, on the flip side of that, who would you say is probably the coldest person you've ever talked to or the hardest yeah. interview? Oh, you're going to put him in that corner? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm more than happy to talk about that. Um, I think uh, the, the, most, the least interested person was probably P.K. Subban. Oh, and, and I say that I say this for a reason. I say it because PK Subban is all about PK Subban. That's just that's just how he is. That's his persona. And if it's not if it's not centralized around PK Subban, he just he doesn't he doesn't want it. he doesn't want it. If it's not promoting him and his his play his brand, it's just it, yeah. it is what it is. I mean, if there wasn't a tele, if there wasn't a television camera as part of the scrum. You didn't get a very interested PK Subban. Wow, it, it was yeah. it was difficult to get anything from him. I tried to talk to him three times for my book, never got a chance to talk to him. It's just it's just how it, it's just his persona. I understand it. Now the worst person, the worst person <laughs> I ever talked to was was David Legwan. By oh. far, I mean I mean I could tell you. Uh, I mean Jordan Tutu was a little rough back in the day, but I just it was just his early. I guess it was back when he first started, but. He was he wasn't super bad. He was just kind of young and didn't really care to answer some questions sometimes, especially from someone who didn't ask good questions like me. Um, oh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but but David Leguan was boy. He was just an, he was a real interesting character. And so I asked him questions once, and I never asked him another thing as long oh, wow. as I covered the team. And it was um, I was covering. This was back when I was I had first started, and I was doing some, um, I guess, uh, trial runs at, at training camp to uh, get a sense of how I would be able to do in the press box. This is back, okay. you know, when I really first started writing. 
And so after the first training camp session was over, you know, I came in. This is the first. This is probably the first real time I had ever been in a locker room, uh, covered a professional sport, like really the first time I had done it. And I went up to talk to David Leguan, asked him a couple of questions, and um, you know, I didn't really kind of know how to treat these guys, whether I'm treating them like, you know, hey buddy buddy, or if yeah. I'm just like you know keep this keep this straight lined. And so I asked him a question. I said, you know, uh, what are what are your expectations for this season? And, uh, you know, he, he was very straightforward and he said to win the Stanley cup, no, no <laughs> smiles, no laughs, no nothing. But I thought he was like, you know, like being, uh, being, being superficial about it. You know, I was like, Oh, ha, ha, you know, was like, yeah, of course. Ha, ha, ha. And he like dead eyes stared me like, cause I laughed. Wow. Like I actually, wow. I, and, and that was the biggest mistake I made because, they pulled my training camp credential after that, and I didn't get another sniff at it for a year and a half. So, uh, because he, he apparently he went and talked to the PR people about like, hey, I laughed at him, and which which wasn't the case, but it's it's way in the past now. And that's that's and, so well, yeah. That's the stuff. That's the stuff people don't realize when they're get, if they're trying to get into this no. business, they don't see the behind the scenes stuff like that. No, and that's why that's why I tell everybody, you know, take it as seriously as you can. Don't ever don't ever 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 uh think someone is making a joke unless they laugh first if they wow. laugh first okay. then it's a joke then it's a joke but That's you know don't advice. laugh until someone that else is, laughs that is awesome advice yeah, wow. that is yeah. Advice. learn that lesson the hard way right. yep. yeah. That's crazy. Well, also and you brought you brought up your book you wrote a really awesome book i've read it before and it's an amazing book uh, Tales from the Nashville Predators Locker Room. And if you are a diehard Preds fan, I'm telling you, you got to go get the book. And so kind of like tell us about that. Tell us about what – how did you decide to take on – that's a big task to take on to write yeah, a book. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people don't – it's one thing to be a writer, to like write about like a game or write a recap of a game or write a column about how you think this player should perform next season. To take on a book is like a whole nother – um, a challenge to take on. So yeah. I, I would love to get your thoughts on that because that's 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 amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I had. Um, I never intended to write a book. I, I never thought I would. Um, I actually, you know, I was when I when I would write on a normal, consistent basis. My articles were usually somewhere between one thousand and two thousand words, just because when I start writing. I, I got carried away and I'd always write more than I should have. And I'd have to condense yeah. it down. That's just, you know, sometimes when you open a can of worms, it's hard to close that. can. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, I got a phone call. Uh, I want to say it was the summer after the Stanley cup final. And it was probably sometime in July. I got a phone call from my, my boss at Fox sports at the time. And he said, Hey, would you ever be interested in writing a book? And I said, well, like what about the Preds? Because I mean, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I, I assumed that's what he meant, but, uh, and he was like, yeah, yeah. About the team. Uh, just you know, kind of like some awesome stories from locker room and whatnot, you know, things that a lot of people may not know. And I said, well, well, yeah. I mean, is that on the table? And he said, yeah, I passed your name off to my publisher and they're going to, yeah, they're, they're going to be in touch with you. And I said, as in like, they're going to be in touch. I'm going to be writing this book. He's like, yeah, if you want to. 
<laughs> and well, I was like, yeah, that's that's something like some people are like, yeah, I can write a book and I'll go get it published. Like I literally had the contract handed to me, wow. which which never happens. I mean, and so like, I, yeah, like I I, I I lucked into that a hundred percent, and it, this was something that <sighs> it took me. Yeah, that's that, that's kind yeah. of what I'm most wondering about is how long it took. Yeah. To do it took about like it, it took about nine months, mm-hmm. and the reason okay. I say nine months is because they wanted fifty thousand words, which it was fifty thousand words, but I needed to have it all done by April. And I think the thing that took the longest part was all the interviews, talking with mm-hmm. all the the players, the coaches, the front office staff, um, the current coaching staff, David Poyle, uh, talking with everybody. I mean, I had, I probably had three months worth of interviews. And I, I mean, these interviews were 20, 30 minutes and then transcribing them, uh, which I had fortunate, I had a lot of help doing that. But um, the longest part was the interviews, like me actually writing it, I think I crammed out, crammed and processed out fifty thousand words in about a month. You know, yeah. which which is it's, you know, if you <clears throat> if you really take it as two thousand words a day, which is just a regular article, you can mm-hmm. get a fifty thousand word book done in thirty days. You really can. Yeah. So um, the writing process wasn't that bad. It was really kind of getting the interviews done and kind of figuring out where my storyline was going to go for each one uh and that was that was the hardest part is figuring out what were the best stories because i probably had 30 or so stories planned out which like they narrowed we narrowed it down to like 17 or 18 or so and uh, and then it was just kind of elaborating on each one flushing each one out make sure we covered it thoroughly that's awesome Yep. You, you know what? Uh, time out real quick, and that's that. That's an amazing, amazing uh, way to like for anyone who is ever thinking about writing a book. But has anyone ever seen the movie Duplex with Ben Stiller? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen that movie. Oh my gosh! It's it's such like a it's such like a, a dark humor movie. But he's a novelist, and in the movie he had he's it's, he stars with Drew Bar- Drew Barrymore, and he has to write this novel, and he's got this annoying um, like. Uh, uh, yeah, like, and it's just like, I, I was thinking of that for some reason because it's like writing a book is it's not tough. as simple as just putting no. words out there on a piece of paper. And here's our it's book. really like, not. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult than that. And and you know, I think I don't. I don't want to say that a lot of people take advantage of that, but I think there's there's some people think, yeah, writing a book's not that bad. No, nah, it's just as bad as you would think it would be. Like yeah. I never, like I had actually, yeah, like I actually had an opportunity to write a second book and I still never followed up with it just because I, 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 it's a, it's a huge commitment. You literally have to commit eight to nine months of your time to do it. Mm -hmm. I picture getting a contract and they're like, all right, you're going to write a book. And you set down (laughs) your keyboard and you're like, I got nothing. (laughs) I I mean, I was literally, I was outside, I was cooking and that's when I got the phone call and I had, I had the contract in my hands like two weeks later. And it, it, it actually having the contract is kind of a really surreal thing, you know, like you actually have yeah. a, a paper contract to write a book. So it was, yeah, it's definitely something, yeah. of course, I'll never forget. I mean, I'm now I'm oh, a published yeah. author, you know, so. Definitely. Yeah, I've got, I've got another a real quick question. So sure. we kind of we see this, you know, the, the, the media from, from the outside looking in and 
some days it looks like it's really cool and exciting. And some days it looks like it's hectic and like an insane, you know, time, you know, the amount of time it takes. So like, I, I know you, you don't cover anymore, but do you miss it? Um, I know you got a family some of it. Stuff, yeah. I, I mean, it looks fun and exciting, but I, kn I know that it's not as glamorous as it, you know, could. Yeah. And I think, um, I think I got out exactly when I needed to get out. You know, I, I, I think um, because, you know, I have, I have four kids and I've been doing this since 2011, essentially. I started when my son was, when my son was about three or four, that's when I started. Right. And you know, of course I've, I've had three daughters since then. So, uh, but I am, I was literally at the arena for <clears throat> 60, 70 nights a year. Yeah. And wow. and this doesn't include times I would go on road trips to cover the mm -hmm. team. So, yeah, yeah. and then you, you got practices. You, you have you have weekends where you're covering covering the team and, and just yeah. training camps. So, I mean, unless you're willing to dedicate, and because it, it's not just that, but you actually you got to watch all the away games. You have to watch and analyze these. You have to large sometimes you have to you have to write about these all the time. So. Yeah. This is really this is an eight to nine month a year job, and mm -hmm. and that's something that that after a while it really sucks the life out of you, and it, it's just it got to a point where uh, it got to a point where I wasn't it was more of a job than it was fun anymore, and I told myself when it ever became more like a job instead of it being fun, I was done, and and that's. And, and that's when I pulled the plug. I, I said, hey, you know, and the COVID hit and it was like the perfect time. Right. So right. I was just kind of like, hey, we, everything got canceled. Uh, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. That's 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 going to be my that's my white flag right there. Yeah. And then when you have kids, like you start missing things. And that's that's yeah. that's the huge. I've got two daughters and like obviously I didn't do I don't do anything like to the extent of what you were doing. But man, when you start missing things, that's when it gets tough on you. Yeah, I can't tell you the number of softball games, um, theater productions, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff that I miss covering the team, yeah. uh, because you you either cover the team or you go and not cover the team. It's right. It's yeah. it, it's really it's cut and dry. It's yeah. yeah. And you, the, if you want to be consistent, and if you want people yeah. to take take you seriously, and if you want people to to really watch your work and actually make your work like a mandatory read for them, they have to know that you're serious. And, and right. that's one of yeah. the sacrifices that you have to make. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Totally so, agree. Well, I was going to say, so how, how are things treating you now that you are kind of more on the, the fan side of things? How, how do you feel about the team? <laughs> uh, you know, I think, um, <laughs> I think the best way to put it is like, I watched the team. I watched I didn't watch every game this year uh, because I kind of tried to push myself away from it just to kind of recharge a bit. That's understandable. And kinda, yeah, and, yeah, and I kind of got back into it probably around, I want to say probably around March or April, I really started reconnecting back into it. But I followed the team from a distance, and I still read everything that was being put out there. I analyzed everything. And let me tell you, that team last year was garbage until UC Soros started locking it down. <laughs> In, in goal and and I really I mean the team defensively was trash special teams was trash offensively they still haven't figured it out I think trading Victor Arvidsson was a fantastic move uh, yes. just because I, th I think he needed to change the scenery 
And I think they needed to get something for him because they were going to lose him in the expansion draft. There's no question about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, I think. Can we, uh, can we all agree that it was a pretty big, uh, mini miracle that the Preds even made the playoffs? Oh, no, it definitely was, it definitely was a miracle they made the playoffs because if they would have lost, if they would have lost one or two games in that 30 Mm -hmm. game span, like one or two more games, they never made it. Never made it. So, yeah. Yeah, this this team was really it's this team is trending downwards, but I think what they do this off season could determine the next four to five yes. years of the organization. Right. So, wow. Yeah, I was and that kind of so again we're being joined by uh, Christopher Martell, uh, covered the Preds, has a wealth of knowledge. We're really excited to have him on. Uh, he shared a lot of his history covering the team and. Uh, Another reason why I follow you is also your bourbon coverage because I'm a bourbon connoisseur <laughs> and you put a lot of good bourbon stuff out there. Uh, Rich is up there and, and Rich is up there in Louisville, so he knows all about bourbon up in Kentucky up there. And but, I, uh, and I went to Louisville, so oh yeah, yeah. It really Mar- does. It really does. Follow Christopher Martell at kmartell underscore sports on Twitter. And uh, one more question for you before we get you out of here is um okay so you just talked about it a little bit you said this offseason is going to really in your opinions set the next four to five years and i'm right there with you on that i think it's a very critical offseason that can go many different directions i'm really uh we're all interested to see how the expansion draft is going to go how a free agency is going to go we got some contracts that have to be renegotiated we have a lot of stuff going on here so uh, just kind of give us your uh, quick thoughts on what you think maybe the press should do. If you were if you were David Poyle right now, let's put it that way. If you were David Poyle right now and you were uh, making some decisions for this team, um, you can take that with the expansion draft. You can take it with trades, however you want, wh- whichever direction you want to take it. What would be your strategy right now to get this team going in the right direction going into uh, the 2021-22 season? You know, I think I think it's I think it's tough. You know, David Poyle has got a lot, um, a lot on his plate to really consider. You know, they've got some draft picks to really work with, uh, but they also don't have a lot of cap space. They've they've got enough cap space to make some moves and make some adjustments, but I think they really have to figure out if they're going to stick beside players like Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. I think David Poyle um, kind of signaled with trading Victor Arvidsson that um, the kind of, you know, the loyalty that he would show in the past to players that would sign on the team. Uh, I think that's kind of gone out the window because, you know, David Poyle's getting older. Uh, we all know this. And, and I think there probably isn't as many years left in his tenure as general manager as there would have been five, 10, 15 years ago. You know, I think we're probably getting closer to seeing the end of the David Poyle um, tenure as National Predators general manager. So, and I think he knows this. So I think we're seeing him try to make some adjustments to the roster to really make one hard final push in his tenure as general manager for a chance at a cup. And I think it's really going to depend on what they do in the expansion draft. It's going to matter about who they protect and who they leave exposed. If if I'm Nashville, and now that you don't have Victor Arvidsson to have to worry about, you're going to have to start protecting players like 
you know, Philip Forsberg is going to be protected. At least I think he will. Uh, I would say Colton Sissons probably is going to be protected. At least I would protect him because I think he's probably one of the best two-way bottom six forwards that you're going to be able to get on a team. And plus, for $2.86 million for the next, what, four or five seasons, you're not going to find that much anywhere else. And then you got to look defensively. You're going to see probably Matias Ekholm be, be protected. Roman Yossi is definitely going to be protected. Uh, I would I would assume Ryan Ellis would be protected. Uh, Dante Fabro is probably going to be protected. So that's four defensemen right there. Uh, so you're leaving players like Alex Carrier wide open. Uh, Ellie Tolvanen is probably going to have to be protected. Uh then you have to make a decision. Are you going to be protecting players like Yakov Trenin? Are you going to be protecting Kelly Yarncrook? Are you going to be protecting Duchesne and Johansson? That's where the decision is going to come into play. So I really think what they decide, who they decide to protect, and who they end up losing in the expansion draft will really kind of shape how the, the season begins and unfolds from there. Because... They're going to have to fix whatever they lose. It's going to have to be adjusted. But I think losing a big piece of the puzzle like a Johansson or a Duchesne in terms of like contract-wise a big piece of the puzzle to help uh, Seattle spin further to the cap wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing. So, Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So basically, so, basically what we're wait- so basically what we're waiting on is this expansion draft to get out of the way, which is yeah, kind of much. how it felt. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of – it's like I'm honestly over it. Like I'm ready for it to be over with, so that uh, we can figure out uh, what the Preds are going to do. Because it's really oh, hard it's to about predict. Two weeks. What, two weeks. Yep. Two weeks. Yeah, yeah. it's so really hard to predict what the it, it, it's. It's really hard to predict what the Preds are going to be next season until this expansion draft gets out of the way. So, um, yep. so uh, all right. Well, it's been an conversation with uh, Christopher Martell. We really appreciate him taking some time out of. T- taking some time to join the Catfish and Ice podcast. We really appreciate it. Again, go follow Christopher Martell at K at, uh, let's see here, at K Martell underscore sports Twitter. I didn't want to botch your handle because that would be, uh, that would be horrible. And so, uh, so yeah, go follow him. We all follow him and he puts out awesome coverage. And again, I'm a bourbon connoisseur. So he, that's like bonus for me. I get press coverage and I get bourbon coverage. Give me that all day. So, the whole package. Yeah. Thanks a lot for joining. <laughs> Yes, the package. Thanks a lot for joining us. This has been episode 55 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. Uh, check out the podcast uh, next week as well. And we're going to roll through this offseason. And until then, everyone stay safe and take care. See you next time. See ya. Thanks, guys.